Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, welcome once again to the Corner of Truth and Courage. And I want to also send a special welcome to WPIP AM 880 out of Winston-Salem, a new station that is beginning today to play our broadcast. We're excited about being on this great station there. I've had the honor and privilege of uh, preaching for Dr. Ron Beatty there at the Berean Baptist Church. So I want to take the, the time today to explain to our new listeners and others who may have been listening for a while but still kind of new with us. We've been on the radio now for nine plus years, about ready uh, this spring to celebrate our 10th anniversary. And, uh, my background is missions. I was raised on the mission field. My wife and I, when we met in Bible College in Springfield, Missouri, Baptist Bible College, we uh, went as missionaries and labored for 17 years, involved in uh, three different church plants, a Bible college and a youth camp ministry. We had a, a great time there, and I expected, honestly, to uh, spend all my years on the mission field. But back in 2008, we sensed uh, God beginning to change our direction. We've been back in the States now uh, this time. And I kind of found my way into radio, had uh, some friends urging me to take this message that God had laid on my heart to share it on radio. And uh, we began on one station, and our home station is AM550 KARI in Bellingham, Washington, or rather more on the uh, coast there with, um, rather the, uh, the border with Canada in Vancouver. We have grown now to um, over 80 stations. And we had a three-year stint of being on 400-plus stations there, being nationally syndicated, but we uh, drew back. And so we're adding a new station to our list there, and we're glad to be there. I want to take the time to kind of give more background on what our purpose is here at Fortress of Faith. Basically, we have three goals, and, and so it kind of helps us be more... Uh, centered on what we're uh, dealing with. And our first goal is to revive America. Uh, Folks, um, one of the reasons why I felt God calling me off the mission field was to come back to my home country and warn my countrymen of what I believe is coming judgment, impending judgment for our national sins. And if our error is spiritual, if our error, if our fault, is spiritual, then the solution is spiritual. And I believe we have erred in angering God, turning back, turning our back on him, away from his ways, and we have become a nation, sadly, that no longer fears God. We're electing people into government and into positions of leadership of our nation uh, that, um, that their faith in Christ is not what is foremost and important. And as a result, our nation is in big, big trouble, even in our own churches. We're seeing a lack of, of God's power, of God's blessing. It's become impotent. We have raised uh, generations of preachers that are cowards, that are afraid to speak the truth. Now, I know that kind of sounds kind of strong, but the fact is that's the truth. 
let me uh, refer you to a study that was done by Barna Research Group. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I quote it often there. It's now probably six years old. Uh, it was a two-year study uh, conducted by another group uh, at the pleasure of Barna Research. And they polled thousands of pastors from many different denominations here. And the question was asked, this was before uh, the election of Obama's last run. So, you know, that kind of takes you back. And the question was, uh, does the Bible address and speak to the spiritual, the, the political issues of our day, the moral political issues, things like abortion, safe, uh, same-sex marriage, Islam, and so on? Does the Bible address those issues? Nine out of ten of the pastors uh, said yes. Yes, it does. The Bible addresses those issues. Why not ten out of ten? I don't know, but at least nine out of ten says yes, it does, which they're correct. And then the next question was then, uh, then if the Bible speaks about it, do you preach about these issues in your pulpit? And sadly, only one out of ten said yes. I preach about it. Only one out of ten. Now, <laughs> there's more I could get into about that, but that tells you volumes, doesn't it? And that's why I say we've got a lot of cowards in the pulpit. They're afraid. One third of them said, well, we can't, we can't speak about uh, political issues because of separation of church and state. And they were uh, grossly in, misinformed of the Johnson Amendment. And that has nothing to do with what we can preach in the pulpit. It only says that churches cannot uh, raise publicly funds for a certain candidate or publicly endorse a candidate. And they can preach uh, against anything. They can even preach against certain things that candidates stand for and tell them these candidates are not standing for righteousness. These are, and these are the ones that we encourage you and rec recommend you vote for. And by the way, I'm voting for that person. You preachers can do that publicly. So one-third says we can't do this because uh, church and state. Another third said, well, we can't do it because of our denomination won't allow us or there's a leadership in our church and they won't let us and so on there. So basically the majority said, well, we can't do it because we're, here's the truth, we're afraid of man more than we're afraid of God. Even though God speaks out against it, I'm not going to instruct my, my congregation and give them guidance uh, pastoral, biblical guidance from the pulpit, and we wonder why churches are struggling today, and why America is struggling today, because the pastors who are the spiritual leaders of our nation aren't doing their jobs. All right, so firstly, call America back to revival, but how do you get to revival? you got to repent. Repentance is always the doorway to revival, and we'll talk a lot about that on this program. Another part of our ministry is to resist Islam. Why? Because I saw how Islam is being used as an instrument of judgment. Not used by Allah, but allowed and permitted to rise up by Jehovah God to bring judgment upon the West, mainly Europe. I've seen that. That's my background. Spent 29 years in the United Kingdom in Britain and watched the growth of Islam. In fact, one of the, uh, the city that I lived in um, I remember it very, very well. It was September uh, 8, 2008. And the newspaper, the Times newspaper, came out with the announcement. I was shocked that the British government will permit, with the backing of the British government, Sharia law courts to begin. 
seven were seven cities were designated and the seventh one was my town where i was living and the seventh one were was to become the headquarters of all these sharia law courts now let's move forward there are over 100 of these sharia law, court, sharia law courts in london alone and i'm here to tell you that europe have allowed so many immigrants to come in and not force them to assimilate into these, into the chosen countries that they've adopted to be theirs. The Europeans have hugely made a mistake. And it was in 2010 that Angela Merkel that actually admitted this. She said that this um, multicultural experiment that we engaged in after World War II is an utter, is an utter, uh, utterly failed, has utterly failed. Then uh, Cameron, David Cameron, the British Prime Minister, came right in the very next day and agreed and said the same. Merkel didn't actually put the burden on the Muslims, but she said it was the immigrants that largely came from Turkey and the Middle East. Well, these were <laughs> these uh, Turkey is where the old Ottoman Empire used to be in the Middle East, of course, Muslims. But David Cameron was very clear, named the Muslims as the ones having a hard time to assimilate into European culture. Then at that time, Sarkozy, who was the French president, agreed and came in the very next day. And uh, so we had the, and I thought, man, this is exciting. Finally, the, the, the leaders of Europe are finally admitting that they made a mistake with the multicultural idea that we all should just get along, that every culture is equal in value and so on there and we can't say one thing's right and another thing's wrong and we need these people and and finally the leaders are saying these people are causing us problems in our nation but they did nothing all they did is give lip service except for Sarkozy he actually acted and began to ban halal meat from schools and different things and the burqa being banned and the face veil and all the <laughs> boy uh, that'd be an incident today, wouldn't it? But then Francois Hollande in the election said to the Muslims, listen, if you'll team with me and vote for me, I'll undo everything that Sarkozy has done against your faith, against your religion. And they did. And he won by 1.1 million votes over Sarkozy. 1.6 million Muslims voted for him. So that tells you that there's enough Muslims in France alone that can sway and pick in elections of the future, and they're extremely influential. And it only starts in just a couple of generations. You know, the, the immigration of Muslims only started two generations ago. All right, let me quickly move to the third thing. The third, so the first thing is to call America to repentance, revival to resist Islam because it destroys our religious liberty, our faith, our freedoms, everywhere it's gone. 1,400 years of, of history, we must resist this if we wish to keep our country free. But number three, our other goal is to rescue Muslims. We want to see Muslims come to Christ. We don't blame Muslims for Islam. If you do, you, you're, you're, not, you're not in the right position. You must realize these people have been blinded. The people are souls, and the people need Christ. And so our program is going to talk about these issues, about what, uh, how to bring revival to our nation, and how and why we should resist Islam, and, and how and why we should reach Muslims and bring them to Christ. And this program is uh, there for your benefit and for your education. 
And so we'd love to hear from our listeners. And if you want to reach out to us and find out more about us there. Uh, now, our website, um, we're, we're struggling with our website. Bear with us there. We have published over 3,000 articles on, this, on these topics and uh, we're, we're having trouble with our website. But there's stuff that you can research. We've got past broadcasts uh, that you can still listen to there. And, and, of course, those who wish to support this ministry, uh, giving online is available there as well. Our, our website is fortressoffaith.com, fortressoffaith.com. You can leave a comment there, and uh, we'd love to hear from our listeners. And, of course, too, you can call in and leave a comment on voicemail. And the number is 800-616-0082. Just uh, select the correct uh, button there that we tell you about there to leave a comment. That's 800-616-0082. And so we get into the Christian apologetic issues of defending our faith because Islam comes out and makes outrageous claims against Christianity they claim that Jesus didn't die on the cross. They claim that Jesus Christ was just a man. He was a great prophet, yes, but only a man. Uh, they claim our Bible has been corrupted by the Jews and the Christians and that Allah has given uh, Muhammad the, um, the last testament to correct all the corruption of the Jews and Christians. And there are many doctrines that they hold that are sound similar to us but aren't quite the same. And so uh, in some ways they play a little bit of a sheep, uh, a wolf in sheep's clothing. And and so uh, and there's a growing Muslim communities uh, growing in our nation. We need to be prepared uh, to give an answer, to tell the truth of what God has laid out. Well, that's going to be it for today. We hope that you'll join us again tomorrow at the Corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.